I love watching that customer experience come to life. And I love my, watching my staff, you know, contribute to that, like treating every guest as like, you know, almost like a challenge. How am I going to make this the best experience for this person? This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The success of any restaurant is reliant on the sum of many parts, where those with skills in specific areas work together for a common goal to deliver their own brand of dining excellence. But this doesn't necessarily deliver success and longevity. What does it take to maintain success over long periods of time? Marilyn Anacini is a co-owner of Pillu at Freshwater and Aquafresca by Pillu. Marilyn, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Anthony. It's good to have you on the show. You've had incredible influence on the dining landscape, not only in Sydney, but in Australia for almost two decades now. Um, what's it been like to sort of think that it's been almost two decades? Yeah, it's hard to believe. We've been at Pillow at Freshwater for 18 years this year. And really, it doesn't, I mean, a lot's happened, obviously, but gosh, time flies. And we're really excited to be still relevant in this scene, I guess, because people come and go. But um, we, yeah, we love it. We're very, very happy in Freshwater. We took over Aquafresco a few years ago, and we also run the Pillu Barretto, which is a smaller kiosk. But um, it's it's great. We love what we do still, which is important. Um, but, yes, we've seen the dining scene change over the years, not only in recent years, obviously, for obvious reasons. But, you know, we've been through economic downturns. We've been through amazing highs and lows. But it's amazing, almost two decades, and you're right. Um, I no longer consider myself one of the one of the younger restaurateurs, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a sense of what things are like. It's, this, it's been an upheaval for everyone on the planet in the last couple of years, but what, what's, what's it like now at Pillu and, and how are things trading? Pillu at Freshwater is doing really well. Um, I don't like to dwell on the negative. Obviously, it's been difficult for everyone. So um, it's we were kind of lucky maybe because we are in the suburbs and during lockdowns, people worked from home. So it was actually quite good for us in terms of we, we did takeaway um, and the barretto stayed open. Um, and so I think because people were not travelling into the city, maybe that helped us a little bit. And then when we reopened numerous times during those periods, there was always a, a really keen interest on dining out. And maybe people were spoiling themselves because fine dining was, it was really, really popular and it can, has continued to be so. We, of course, struggle with staff shortages, COVID illnesses, all those kind of things. But otherwise, um, we're doing really well. We're very happy to be there. Lots of functions, weddings, a lot of postponed events, obviously. But um, it's lovely to see people out and about and just enjoying themselves. Has this experience, has it changed the approach that you have with the restaurant or the offering? Has, have things changed as a result of the last couple of years? Um, I think so. We, When we reopened after the second lockdown, we took the – because we, for a time we were doing things like degustation only on a Saturday, um, set price menus and things like that. And then before the reopening, we decided that we wanted dining to be less restrictive 
And I really wanted people to come back to the restaurant with a sense of joy and just an excitement to be out again without putting too many restrictions on people, but giving them the options to really splurge if they wanted to. So we took away the restrictions. We still had the offerings of the degustations and, you know, the caviar and lobster and things like that. And we found that people were really interested in eating that way. But they also loved the fact that they weren't restricted. We offered a lot more sharing options, which is something very new for us at Peel at Freshwater. And it was really a lot of because people were coming back in groups with families and friends they hadn't seen for a while and really um, yeah, this sense of joy of eating out together again. So that was one of the changes. Um, I mean, we've had lots of changes over the years. We, we try to stay relevant, as I said, in the ever-changing business. Um, but that's probably the main one in terms of a menu. Our service has also always been very warm, welcoming. It's like, you know, coming to a, to a home and whilst we maintain a high level of professionalism, um, it's still a very welcoming and inclusive kind of service. You mentioned about staying relevant and, and longevity and the importance of that. What, what does it take to stay relevant? How do you, how do you approach that um, when you have successes as a restaurant model already? Staying relevant is not only about the menu, but it's also about, you know, having a look at what's out there and what the dining public are looking for. We surround ourselves with like-minded individuals in terms of the people that we employ, but also the networks that we've formed. Um, Both Giovanni and I are very active in this industry, involved in various associations. We, yeah, we like to to keep abreast of what's happening. We try to eat out as much as possible. We, we used to travel a lot, um, we, we talk about restaurants all the time. Our closest friends are restaurateurs. Um, it's kind of, yeah, it's not a negative thing that we're always thinking about work. When you own your own business and we're very family, it's a family business. We, we don't have any investors. We don't have anyone backing us. So it's in our best interest to do everything we can to stay relevant and to make sure we're, we're doing the best we possibly can. I want to talk about what you and Giovanni have created there at Pillow over the last two decades, but take us back to when you were young. You grew up in Sydney's north. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? So my parents, obviously Italian immigrants, food is was a huge part and still continues to be. We come from a very large extended family. Um, you know, my grandparents were market gardeners. My grandmother's still alive. She just turned a hundred last year. So, um, she's the central. She's our, she's our matriarch, and so food is something that brings us all together, always has. So we have an extended family of about 60 people. So all our events, they were Mother's Day, Christmas, Easter, they were always huge events, and they still are because of her, really, that we all still get together. But, you know, even growing up, um, I, you know, my parents both worked really hard. My father's concrete is still pours concrete today. And so, you know, they're working hard and so I'd have to come home and mum would say, okay, there's the stuff, you need to put the sauce on for dinner or, you know, that minestrone in that pressure cooker has got to be ready by the time I get home. So it was very central and we did all the, you know, we had tomato sauce day and we were often in the farm picking vegetables with my grandparents because then they'd take them to the market the next day. Yeah, it's always been very central and still continues to be. Yeah, we love it. Can't get enough of food. (laughs) You mentioned that your parents uh, migrated from from Italy. Where, whereabouts were they from, and what, what's the food of that region? Uh, they're from Abruzzo, 
which is on the Adriatic side of Rome. I always say, like, if you know where Rome is and you just go towards the Adriatic, and they both actually, even though they didn't know each other um, growing up, um, they both come from the, the coast of Abruzzo. So the Adriatic side, lots of seafood, um, yeah, mainly a seafood diet, I have to say, from them, um, homemade pastas, all that kind of thing, vegetables, um, you know, the cucina povera that we talk about here was something that they experienced for them. It was not a novelty. It was it's what they lived and breathed. Do you have any uh, memories of s- certain dishes or feasts from when you were young with your family? Um, so our feasts are always huge. So there's always a really big antipasto spread and that would always include vegetables that were homegrown. So my grandmother makes this great frittata with artichokes, for example, um, even though she's 100, she kind of doesn't make it anymore, but she, she did until very recently. Um, we always start our big celebrations with these. It's actually sweet. And so they're kind of like a donut, but they're elongated with sultanas in them and they're fried and covered in sugar. And we call them shushi. I don't actually know what the correct word for them is, but we always start with shushi. And so she now oversees the production of the shushi. Um, then there's are always a homemade pasta, whether it's lasagna or tagliatelle with a really rich meat sauce normally, and then lots of roast meats, whether it be baby goat, uh, suckling pig, um, mainly those two. Um, and there's just obviously abundance. And, yeah, that's it. You weren't necessarily destined for a life in uh, restaurants and owning owning restaurants. And tell us about the early years and um, where – your career was going before you made the change into hospitality? Yeah, I definitely wasn't interested in working in hospitality because, I mean, food was integral to my life, but it wasn't something I ever thought I would pursue. Um, I finished school and, and actually wanted to be a vet. Um, I studied science for a while at university and then I decided that wasn't for me and did a degree, you'll laugh at this one, and it was a very new degree and it was called Leisure Studies. And it was a BA, it's an arts degree. And I did it when it first started. And anyway, basically I took the course, I took the track of tourism, marketing and PR. And so I ended up working for Ansett in the day for many, many years. And I loved the airline industry and I did all facets of it from customer service right through to commercial sales, which has where it all ended when the airline um, went into receivership. Um, And I was also on my second maternity leave then. But obviously developed a passion for travel, but really marketing and customer service became my focus. So I think that's probably where it came from. And then when when the airline did go into receivership and Girani was running Calaluna then at the spit, um, I decided to join him in that business and we bought out our business partner and it just worked really well. Um, I looked after the front of house. He looked after the back of house back then. And then eventually we moved to Pillar at Freshwater, which, which is obviously on a much larger scale. And so, yeah, my focus today is on the front of house side, but really the administration and everything else that really doesn't involve kitchen. What was it like for you those first couple of years at Kalaluna? You had the customer service experience, but it's really um, face-to-face with restaurants and hospitality. What was it like for you? Um, I'd actually done a lot of waitressing through university as well. So I was quite familiar with that 
side of the business. But it was it was full on because, like, you know, we were quite young. Um, <laughs> yeah, coincidentally had a baby within a couple of months of owning that business. <laughs> and um, we, we learned a lot. But it was... Um, I don't know, when you were younger and a bit more naive, you just kind of take more risks and it was exciting. It was a very small restaurant, as I said, very hands-on and it was it was challenging but we were doing things that, you know, other Italians hadn't yet brought to the dining scene because Giovanni's focus was on his region of Sardinia. So we were, it was really well accepted and so that helped obviously. You mentioned uh, Giamani's focus on Sardinia and um, back in 2004, you decided to open Pilouette Freshwater. How did, how did you find the site? And um, tell us about that period of time when it was gaining momentum to open that site for the first time. So the, the family who own the premises, um, which were back then the Freshwater Restaurant, which is obviously an iconic building and it had been a restaurant for almost 20 years and then many other um, businesses before then. But the owner of the premises um, was kind of known to us, but he approached us and asked us if we were interested in looking at that venue. And um, we were really excited too. Giovanni had always wanted a restaurant by the water and it just all fell into place. But you know, going from a very small 30-seater, 40-seater restaurant at the Spit to taking over those premises where we are today of, you know, over 100 multifaceted functions, events, all kinds of things, it was huge. Um, I don't know. I said we had no fear. We were just so excited. We just we just did it. <laughs> Maybe we were crazy. I don't know. <laughs> Two young kids as well. What were the challenges of that? Because the building's a beautiful old building. Were there restrictions with what you could do and, and the ideas that you had when you were getting started? Uh, the, the building was quite run down, unfortunately. So we spent quite a lot of time just redoing the interiors. Um, and all of a sudden we had all these like things like we had interest from people who wanted to have their weddings. Like we'd never organised a wedding. I had no experience in that. So I called up a friend of mine who I knew had a bit of experience. I'm like, Angela, we need to do this. Like, you're my new wedding coordinator and we're going to put together a package and sell it to these people. And they used to – people came through, like, it was – they were like we were under construction and people would go, oh, yeah, and this is going to be the dining room and it's going to be amazing. It's going to look fantastic. <laughs> anyway, it worked. Um, many challenges, mainly because of the size of it. We had to employ so many more people. We had to employ um, a head chef because up until that time, Giovanni had been the chef um, and he, he couldn't do something on that larger scale on his own. We employed Daniel Mulligan, who is still a great friend and um, a great chef. It was, I think it was just the scale. And, and we started to slowly recruit people as I said, who were like-minded, like, you know, if there was something I didn't, didn't know, like the weddings and events, yeah, we found people who could work with us. And that's how it all started, really. And it was, you know, we made lots of mistakes along the way, like, you know, on opening night there were glasses smashed and it was a disaster. But <laughs> we persevered, obviously. It was worth it. <laughs> 
Well, the restaurant has won so many accolades and um, too many to list here and its influence is incredible. What was a real turning point for the restaurant from your perspective with its success? I think it was probably our first review from the Sydney Morning Herald, um, which um, was pretty significant, I'd say. It was like within the first six months of opening that um, we were reviewed and received two hats straight off the bat and were then recognised as best new restaurant. And it was hugely emotional, but it was um, pretty significant. And from then, we really took off, I have to be honest. It was pretty significant. What sort of pressure did that place on, on what you wanted to, to achieve? Did it change the operations and the focus for you guys? No. Not at all. It just made us more um, committed to the fact that we knew that we were on the right track, that we had chosen to specialise in the cuisine of Sardinia and it's what people were interested in because it wasn't readily available anywhere else. Um, and we stuck by that. Like we didn't, you know, you know, Giovanni was importing Botarga and Pane Carazao and um using ingredients that hadn't been used before and we stuck to our guns and it really, and we still have to this day, obviously it's changed and there are modern influences and things, but um, no, we really stuck to our guns and I think that's really what has served us well. You mentioned some of the influences from your travels um, over the years. You, you actually met Giovanni in Italy. Do you, do you have any stories of those trips that you that you had where you've taken inspiration to then share it with the Australian restaurant industry? Um, we travelled a lot. I did meet Giovanni unexpectedly in Sardinia one year. <laughs> and we actually, I, I took on a waitressing job and, and he was cooking. So we worked together in those very early days. But every time we, we travelled back, Sardinia was always the focus of our travel. And we, you know, we went to places like the Agri Turismi where, you know, their specialty was always going to be the suckling pig. And we, even though we'd been doing suckling pig for a long time, we took that back and we perfected it. Um, but even our travels to amazing Michelin-starred restaurants, um, our favourite still is today Dal Pescatore, still a three-star Michelin in, um, it's not Modena, it's near Modena, I think. It's in Mantua. And just the, what I find most inspiring at that restaurant is they're a family-run restaurant, but their level of service is what we aspired to. And we brought a lot back from that experience in terms of the genuine warmth and the professionalism. But And, you know, we're really proud of that kind of service that we offer today. And that's probably, that was quite influential, that trip. Um, you know, we've been to Canarocca, we've been to Noma, we've been to all these places and you always bring back something but I always say to our team when we come back, um, you know, done had this experience. It was amazing. Um, we also went to lots of other restaurants, but I have to say that we always come back and go, you know what, you guys rock. You guys are amazing, in you know, in comparison to, because, you know, the rest of the world was also suffering with staff shortages. They always have been. Um, I say, you know, you guys are amazing. We actually do a really good job here. I go away probably to remind myself of that. <laughs> You, met, you mentioned how Giovanni was putting on a, a focus on a cuisine that um, wasn't really well represented in Australia and bringing ingredients in. The, the Italian has really had an incredible evolution just in the last decade with sort of regional offerings and a, um, a lot of energy and different operators. What's it been like for you as, as 
as someone that's been around with a restaurant for such a long period of time to see this new energy? Oh, well, we think it's amazing. You know, when we first started many years ago, we formed a group called Chira, which I'm sure you remember, which was the Council of Italian Restaurants in Australia. And the founders of that were Giovanni Armando Percuoco, Lucio Galletto and Alessandro Pavoni, and then lots of others joined. And, you know, the reason why we formed this association was to um, was to preserve the culinary culture that was kind of developing in Australia, the Italian culinary culture. And back then, you know, we were doing Sardinian, and Armando was doing Neapolitan, and Lucio was Ligurian. Um, back then, Alessandro was doing the food of Lombardia. And then it wasn't a lot more than that. But as the years went by, and it's so amazing now to see so, like every Italian restaurant now can can really identify with a region, even if they're not just doing one region, they do regionality really well. And we want, that's what we wanted. We just wanted, you know, to preserve that. And so when people go to Puglia now, um, they can identify with what the real food of Puglia is. And often because they've eaten it in Australia as well, you know, like it's, um, I think it's amazing. It's really great. You're also a founding member of War Women and Restaurants. Um, tell us a little bit about that and, and what impact it's having. So War um, started kind of off the back of Chira because Anna and I, Anna Pavoni and myself and Michelle Mayale were the other half of the chefs, basically. So we were the wives and we attended Chira events and we were you know, I was a secretary and Anna was a treasurer. And and then we thought, you know what, um, I think there's something here that we identify with each other and what we do. And we were kind of a support already, but we thought if we get a, a bigger group of people together, of women restaurateurs, and there are a lot of, a lot of us, um, then I think we'd make a really good network and, and a support network. And so Anna kind of is the go-getter and so she kind of formalised it and we created war. And we have to say that I know that it has been hugely, hugely um, helpful for us and the women who are in it and we're a great support network. We gather often, we have a, an, a WhatsApp chat um, and really, especially in the last couple of years, we've been huge support for each other. Um, we bounce ideas off each other. You know, some of us are competitors, like Anna and Alessandro are my best friends, but they're also our closest competitors, right? But we, um, we, we share so much and we support each other. And I don't know if there are many other industries like ours I, that, that exists. Um, so amongst us female restaurateurs, and, you know, I think – the criteria was that you had to own a restaurant because if you've got skin in the game and you're an owner, the, the discussion and the conversation is a little bit different to being a female restaurant manager or a SOM or something like that and not taking anything away from those people because they're amazing. But, um, you know, the risk and the responsibilities that we have of restaurateurs were different. So the conversation was always a little bit more, it was different. Um, and, you know, recently Anna organised a great conference um, where we all got together and discussed, you know, coming out of COVID and where we're headed and, you know, we talked about staffing, obviously. We talked about um, 
the supply chain. Yeah, it's it's just amazing, amazing. We love it. You're reg- regarded as one of the country's best restaurateurs. What's what are, what's your approach to um, being a great restaurateur and and delivering that great experience for customers? I think, like I said earlier, I do like to surround myself with like-minded people. So um, I find that, you know, if, you know, I get in there and I do the job, right? I find that if I'm seen to be um, a leader who is approachable and, you know, a bit innovative, a bit exciting, then people will want to work with us. Um, I'm a huge advocate for this industry, like, um, even though it was never where I was going to go, um, for me to f- bring a young person into my business who's completely green and fill them with excitement and the desire to work and stay in this industry, nothing satisfies me more. Like I just, and, and we do that a lot. I find that, you know, I had a lot to do with the Appetite for Excellence Awards as a judge of the Young Restaurateurs when I was with um, Lucy Allen and Luke Mango and they were fabulous awards. Um, and, you know, just the satisfaction of seeing these young restaurateurs come from being, you know, one or husband and wife team and then, you know, speaking with them and encouraging them to, you know, just persevere basically and, um, you know what I'm trying to say. Basically, yeah, like it's a, it's a challenging industry, but to once you've got someone on board and you can nurture them, um, it's a great feeling. And I think that's probably one of my strengths as a restaurateur is really about getting the most out of people. You mentioned um, some of the incredible husband and wife teams that create some of the best restaurants in this country. What are the challenges and benefits of of being in that situation of having a family and running running a restaurant at the standard that you do? Um, look, I think in from from my experience, from Joanny and I have a totally we have totally different skill sets, so that kind of works. Um, we don't cro- obviously we cross over, but he's very focused on kitchen menu and that operation, and I do everything else behind the scenes. That works really well. You know, it is challenging working with your partner. Um, no one's going to say that that's easy, but I also find it hugely satisfying. Um, we, you know, we work really well together. I couldn't imagine doing this with anyone else. Like I, I just, I love that we work so well together. Um, and most of the people that I know who are like me, whether it be Anna and Alessandro, Eugenio and Michelle, you know, Armando and Gemma, who have always been our mentors and Sally and Lucio Galetto, um, I don't, I don't know why it works, but you just got to um, – I'm happy to kind of also take the back seat. I don't mind that I, you know, that I'm not in the newspaper and that I'm not, you know, the face of the restaurant. Um, I know what I do is, is hugely important and it wouldn't be the success it is without what I do. I'm, I'm really happy with that. I think, yeah, whatever works, Yeah. Well, the influence of, of Pillow at Freshwater has been incredible on so many lives. But what, what do you love about what you do? Um, I really love the customer experience. Um, I love going to work every day. And whilst I'm not always on the floor, I am at the moment because we're a bit short-staffed, but um, I love watching that customer experience come to life. And um and I love my, watching my staff, you know, contribute to that, like treating every guest 
it's like, you know, it's almost like a challenge. How am I going to make this the best experience for this person? Um, I love that it's um, an ever-changing industry. And with all the struggles and all the challenges, um, I, I love the fact that every day is a new day and um, every customer has a different story and every staff member has a new challenge. I just, putting all those pieces together for me really excites me. Well, Marilyn, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a bit of your story. And I know that um, the many meals that I've had at Pillow have certainly changed my life and hopefully they do continue to do that. Um, Please keep in touch and um, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.